Operation Genesis by Samuel Ferrugia, winner of the WizFizFest short story competition. Your narrator is Tim Redman. The tarnished silver links of the locket's slender chain softly clink against one another as I gently curl my calloused fingers around the small trinket. As the tiny ornament settles into my hand, with the chain lying coiled at the base of my long fingers, and the delicate box-shaped pendant resting in the cup of my palm, I gently run a scarred thumb across it, caressing the locket's minuscule door. The charm itself was far from remarkable, its silver sheen dulled by the inexorable march of millenniums, its smooth surface pitted and corroded by the desert winds, its links bent and warped by the rivers of time. Had it not been the only one left of its kind, it would have been an ordinary piece of jewellery in almost every way, yet it was the only relic of an ancient world which now lay forgotten underneath the white sands of the desert. The locket was the last reminder that I had left of that world and of her. With a small, precise motion, I gently slip my jagged nail into the hairline seam that runs around the locket's little door, and with a careful flick, I flip it open. The small picture that sits within the pendant is tattered, its colours faded and the edges frayed by time, but to me its contents are still as crystal clear as the day it had been taken, centuries ago. In truth, much of what forms the background of the image is nothing more than a blur, an insignificant mismatch of shapes and colours which hold no meaning any more. To me, the sight of the reinforced steel bunker door which looms in the background of the image and that still pathetically bears a chipped and weathered insignia, thirteen alternating red and white stripes and a small blue rectangle adorned with fifty tiny white stars, hold as much meaning as the soft murmurs of the desert winds. I've come to terms with the fact that past concepts, such as time, location and identity, simply don't have a place in the world where all that's left is just dust, ash and memories. Really, the only element of the photo which still holds any significance is the two people which it depicts, the man and woman who blankly regard me from within their silver prison. My gaze falls on him, standing tall and serenely on the left side of the image, cold blue eyes staring dispassionately forth, jaws set in a blank expression of deference. For me, he's the easiest one to scrutinise, the one who doesn't force a jumbled and distorted mass of memories to come crashing into my mind, the one who's simultaneously the least interesting of the pair and the one who prompts one single response on my part pure hatred. Hatred at the sadistic nature which he embodies, hatred at the bloodshed which he obediently caused, hatred at the whole purpose for which he exists, hatred at the fact that he isn't even human. Whenever I look at him, there's always the single phrase which echoes around the inside of my skull, a phrase which I had heard long ago under the heat of a blazing red sun in the middle of a nameless desert, which had become a grave for millions of the world's countless dead. You are nothing but a puppet. As the words thunder around the inside of my head, I breathe a soft, weary sigh, my breath causing tiny motes of fine dust to flutter off the locket's worn silver shell, 
Under my cold blue gaze, the particles gently glide down, coming peacefully to rest on the grime-speckled floor, an insignificant addition to a world already burdened with the dust and ash of thousands of centuries, a world that had died long ago. Most of humanity had perished in the first few detonations, when the bombs had lit up the night sky bright as day, when radioactive fallout had spread across whole continents like a sickly carpet, and when sprawling cities had been reduced to nothing but ash. They were the lucky ones. They were the ones who didn't have to survive past the first day and see their society crumble to dust and get blown away in the winds of war. They didn't have to see their world die, its atmosphere poisoned by radiation, its waters running red with the blood of billions. Yet, tucked away in a few dozen remote locations around the globe, a handful of survivors had still been left to witness the last days of humanity's downfall. They knew that their days were numbered, their world simply couldn't support them any longer, and it was simply a matter of time before they too would be gone. Over the course of the last few months, they would struggle to find an answer which would rescue their species from extinction, and they found their solution, Operation Genesis. The concept was relatively simple. Around the world, several underground vaults were constructed to house fertilised human embryos. They were cryogenically frozen and allowed to incubate over thousands of years, whilst the world slowly recovered from the scars which humanity had left it with. Then, once the globe healed and would be yet again habitable, an encrypted release code would be broadcast to the vaults, instructing the autonomous systems within to revive the fully developed human specimen and release them. The plan was simple, effective and exploitable. During the final days of civilization, what was left of global leadership saw an opportunity to save themselves and emerge once again with full control over humanity. In the years leading up to the collapse, humanity had been experimenting with a new form of technology, a new procedure aimed at allowing humanity to transcend past the limitations of their own bodies and achieve true immortality, consciousness digitalization. It was the process where all an individual's memories, personality and everything that made them truly human would be crystallised and uploaded to a digital server to be later reintroduced into a mechanical body. The project had still been in its infancy and the resource requirement for even a single consciousness transfer had been staggering and yet 13 of the world's social and governmental elite still committed to it. Their intention was simple. The new generation of humans who would be born from the vaults would need to be re-educated in the ways and history of the human race and these 13 individuals intended to be the sole person who would decide what parts of history would be passed on and what would be left to die along with the earth. To ensure that their consciousness would have to be reawakened for Operation Genesis to succeed, they had their consciousness uploaded onto the same data chip which would release the vault activation codes. However, preserving a consciousness for thousands of years isn't exactly an easy matter. The human consciousness is a fickle thing, and leaving it too long alone, not in control of a body without any physical form to host it, causes it to twist, deform, and finally fracture. As such, they needed something to nourish their consciousness, something to keep it alive over the countless years that it would take for the world to heal. In short, they needed her. She was only six at the time when she was chosen to be the host, 
and have the data chip containing the 13 consciousnesses implanted into her cerebral cortex. Outfitted with a bioengineered genetic virus designed to slow down the rate of her cellular division and drastically reduce the speed of her ageing, she was expected to carry the chip for the next thousands of years. To ensure her survival over that length of time, she was assigned a specialised biomechanical android unit to protect her. However, the unit's purpose was twofold, to protect and to release the activation codes and consciousnesses for which the host would have to be terminated, the chip revived and the data sent. The tarnished silver links of her locket's slender chain softly clink against one another as I gently place it down and instead pick up the sleek chip holding the wafer-thin piece of metal in my cupped palm. She was right. That day that I carried out my orders and killed her in the middle of that nameless desert, I was nothing but a puppet. That is the end of Operation Genesis by Samuel Ferrugia. Your narrator was Tim Redman.